are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, how's everybody been? Uh, I've just been a little bit of a break here. Uh, look, as me and Jeff were saying just before, you need a little downtime every now and then from these types of things. Uh, for me, it was a busy week. Uh, as many of you know, I coach my daughter's travel soccer team. Uh, six games in nine days, so extremely busy, busy with that. You know, you got to get away sometimes, recharge the batteries. Uh, guest here this night, uh, tonight has been with us before. Uh, we'll get to Jeff here. Uh, Jeff Risen here in a second. Uh, we got some uh, other guests lined up here. Uh, the rabbi is going to pop back in again this week. Obviously, former host. Uh, so you know, going to have some fun. I have a really special uh, recording scheduled for Wednesday. So as long as that sticks, should make for a fantastic episode. I'm sure you guys will be pretty excited about that. Uh, but without further ado, here on Lockdown Browns, as obviously I'm your host, Jeff Lloyd. Guys, uh, joining us here from Browns Wire, obviously Texans Wire, does a little bit of work everywhere, Real GM, some radio out in Michigan, Jeff Risden. Jeff, my man, my big brother, how you been, bud? It is great to be back with you, and like you said, man, you got to take advantage of this little bit of downtime when you can. You know, we I, I have kids that are very involved in sports, too, and it's been great, like, actually being able to, like, spend time and... Like, actually watch a practice instead of just showing up for games and, and hustling home. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's actually been kind of nice because, like, you know, I haven't had a couple of dads stop me as we're walking off a practice field or a game field and, you know, you know, ask me about Sam Darnold or what do you think now that the Jets got Sam Darnold or why didn't the Giants start the quarterback? Look, what's done is done, kids. <laughs> we follow it and we carry it as it goes on forward here. Um, I have some specific things I wanted to ask Jeff about here tonight. Uh, we'll go with this one first, though. Um, guys, well, the news dropped today. Uh, you know, a lot of people have mentioned whether or not that Hugh Jackson account is really Hugh Jackson on Twitter. I personally don't care. You know, if it's a ghost account, whatever, just step up and have your own freaking account then. But you know, be that as it may, they put it out there. I guess it was Saturday or whatever that uh, it was going to come out that Hugh is going to jump in Lake Erie on June 1st. It seems now some of the Cleveland Browns staff and some other guys. I know Nathan Cigar is going to jump in there as well. Uh, you know, Nathan actually, I thought, put it a good way. You know, it was a cleansing for everybody involved. But uh, Jeff, look, I, I give him credit. At least he's, you know, he, at least he's gonna, you know, jump back, you know, and back onto something that he said he was gonna do. He, yeah, he did. And you know what? He, I, I like the fact that that Zagura spun it the way he did too. I, I think that's a smart way to go with it and make it more of a a, you know, a resurrection sort of thing. Uh, I mean, it would have been nice if he would have jumped in the lake in January. I think we all. L. Browns fans would have liked to have him torture that way, but I mean, you know, I, I grew up a mile from the shores of Lake Erie. Uh, June 1st, that water's still going to be pretty cold and not all that pleasant to get into. Obviously, it's warmer than, than it is, like, in January, but it, I think it's cool. I think that the fact that he's doing something, that Jackson is, is has set up his foundation about human trafficking, which which is an under-reported and, and sort of underserved but serious issue in our country, I think it's pretty cool that, that they're trying to make it into something big and he is in fact keeping to his word he never specified when he was going to do it i know that's kind of a lame semantics argument but it's true and he is going to do it and i I like the fact that the organization is is going to get on board with it uh as long as they actually video it and show it that you know that these people did go in and and something positive comes out of it i mean yeah it's it's okay to be a little upset that it, it hasn't happened already but it's better that it's happening than it's not, and I, I like that they're they're making something good out of it. That's 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 a good way to put behind all the misery. And uh, but my hope is is that if they're zero and four, they will throw Hugh in the lake right after a game. But that's yes. and leave there, it. leave him there, and not come back. 
But uh, yes. you know, and, and the other thing, uh, you know, obviously the news came out somewhere along the line. Obviously, you know, Hugh Jackson had a stent put in. But look, guys, uh, you know, anybody can die jumping into Lake Erie in January. So you know, maybe there's you know sometimes maybe where you bit off more than you can chew. But uh, you know, ain't nobody jumping into sub thirty degree temperature water. It's just asinine all the way around. Uh, as we go on here, Jeff, uh, you know, obviously we haven't had much chance to wrap uh, post draft. Uh, it was real interesting, obviously, you know, because I had you and Pete and a couple of the guys on here 48 hours, you know, 36 hours, and we all were to a man, oh, look, you know, Sam Darnold, saddle him up, he's going to be wearing the orange and the brown, and all of a sudden, it, it, it shifted, and literally like a tidal wave, it shifted, and it all came out, and it wasn't a question, it was a, oh my God, it is not Sam Darnold. What do you think with John Dorsey and the guys in the front office, What what do you think... And I'm not certain that they flipped their mind. I think they just played and held their, you know, Trump cards as well as they did. What do you think at the end of the day was the bottom line? And Baker Mayfield was their guy. No, I, I think Andy Reid, the, the, who worked with Dorsey in, in Kansas City and is still the Chiefs coach, I think he said it pretty well. Um, and I had to write this up for the Browns wire the other day. He said that, you know, the competitiveness and the the willingness to work uh, and and to not always be the most popular guy, but be the hardest working guy and get people to rally behind him is something that appeals very much to John Dorsey. That's why he liked Patrick Mahomes last year. Uh, that's why he was an Alex Smith fan when, when, when that first came about in Kansas City. And and I think that's that's what you see in Mayfield. This is a guy who walked on at Texas Tech, started as a true freshman, didn't like the situation that was there, so he transferred to Oklahoma. He didn't go down, he went up the food chain. Not many people transfer up the food chain and, Very and succeed rare. the way he did. And uh, I think that speaks a lot to, to Mayfield's character and his leadership and, and how he's willing to fight. And uh, it should forever put to rest any of the, the Johnny Manziel comparisons that are still out there, which is just, get over it, people. It's it's done. And I, I do think that, that the accuracy plays into it. We just watched how, how when you have an inaccurate quarterback like Deshaun Kaiser you can't trust him to run the offense. And I don't think that's going to be a problem with Baker Mayfield. Uh, it, it's an interesting fit with Todd Haley's offense, but at the same time, it's you know, it's better to be more accurate than less accurate. And if, if you have to sacrifice a little bit of arm strength, which they did in going from Kaiser or potentially Rosen or Darnold to Mayfield, that's that's a worthwhile transaction for me. And I think, that, I think most of the NFL sees it that way too. You want a stronger arm, you get Josh Allen. And Watch him throw 48% of his passes and, you know, throw nine nine touchdowns and 22 interceptions in his first year in Buffalo. That, that Thank God that's not Cleveland. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, look, we were all pretty much to the man that that was not the direction we wanted to go. But, look, you know, you, you have guys like Jarvis Landry where, you know, if he realizes he needs three to four yards, look, I, I've been down on Landry. I don't think he deserves the money he's getting paid. But he, in what you're going to ask him to do, he's really good at it. You know, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield is he's smart enough to put himself in good positions. So if it's Duke Johnson for seven yards and I've got a second and three, or now I've got a third and three, he's going to be okay with that. He's going to be more than okay with that. So, you know, stuff like that I'm okay with. Look, obviously the completion percentage is off the charts. Um, you know, as the oldest guy of this group with the most experience, I think that's the direction they went. And I think that at the end of the day it was more of a – and look, Deshaun Kaiser. You look as the as the year went on. I, I think the guys rally around him, and I think it was more of a look. We realize this is a young group here, and, and we're all going to rally together. 
but you want to talk the ultimate leader that's going to come into a building and you know there's still that video of Baker dancing the day he walked into Norman Oklahoma and a hundred guys just basically jumped on board and said look we're with you you know Baker brings that persona which I think is something that's very needed and I don't think he gives a crap what this team did the last two years he doesn't care that they're one in 31 whether or not Hugh's still here I think Baker says look I'm here to play ball you may lose your gig you may ride with me. Either way, I'm the quarterback of this franchise going forward. And I think Baker is a confident enough guy that nothing, distractions and all the talk outside of the media, whether the head coach should go, whether she should stay, Baker is 100% confident in who he is and who he is going to be for the next five years. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, as I said before the draft, you know, Mayfield is the right guy. He has the right mentality to handle what Cleveland is going to deal to him. It's a... Uh, I'll, I'll say interesting local press <laughs> and the way they deal with the Browns and the way that they they think that the people of Cleveland want their their Browns and sports news in general uh, spat at them. Um, I, I think he's going to be very good at that. I think he's going to rankle some feathers that need to be rankled, quite honestly. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, it, it's time to stop playing the game when the game keeps giving you losses. I do agree, and uh, I'm sorry, Tony G. No, he's not going to be going to play 18 holes with you. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so, you know, sorry, big guy. Uh, guys, uh, Locked On Browns, if you're listening now through the Megaphone app, I do appreciate that, but please go to whatever your favorite podcast carrier is, you know, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, whatever. Guys, please go ahead, subscribe there, leave the five-star review. means a ton. I appreciate it. Now, Jeff, when I had you on the last show before the draft, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, like I said, as much as we all thought it was Sam Darnold, we, you know, what everything was being told to us pretty much to a man was obviously Bradley Chubb. You were one, and you actually jumped back in and said, look, I don't think this is over. I don't think Denzel Ward is out of this at four. They went ahead and pulled the trigger. Uh, you know, whether or not he turns out to give you the return of what you would get from a cornerback at four, whether it's a champ, Bailey, or a Deion Sanders. I mean, these are the guys who have gone this high. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But you got yourself a solid foundational piece who's going to be starting cornerback for you for a long, long time. But go ahead, Jeff. A couple thoughts on Denzel when the pick went down because I know you kind of had a little smile. I probably had a little smile about that one. You know, it's funny. When when I left the combine in Indianapolis at the at like the first day of March, I left there thinking that Denzel Ward was going to be the number four pick. And I got away from it. And I got that when I was there from talking to people around both Ward and sort of on the fringe of the Browns. I, I'll, I'll make very clear, I did not talk to anybody who was employed by the Cleveland Browns. But they, the, the, just the, the general vibe that I got was that they really liked him and that they felt that cornerback was a much bigger need. Uh, and the other thing that I got about it was that there was no way in hell they were drafting Minka Fitzpatrick, which at the time was a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I, 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 I never really thought that it was going to happen. I did still think they were going to take Bradley Chubb. But the when they did say Ward, it didn't surprise me as much as it did most people because this is something that I had thought in the past and had heard what was there. I, I'm not a huge Denzel Ward fan. I like your guy Alexander better mm -hmm. than I did Denzel Ward. <laughs> and I, I would have been happier with, with a guy with a little bit more size. Uh, I, I'm worried that a 183-pound guy is going to have to play outside against AJ Green. Yeah, uh, that's that's suboptimal. Now, now maybe Carey plays over there, and and they they mix and match things that way, and that that's that's nice. That's nice in theory, but I'm not 
This was not my favorite pick of theirs. I'll, I'll put it that way. And that's not a shot at Denzel. I think the guy can play, and I think he's a, a solid starting NFL cornerback. Um, it, it's a little discouraging that he's hurt already, but uh, I, I, I think the fact that he's from Cleveland does help, and the fact that he's a Buckeye helps. There had been an embargo on Buckeyes for way too long in Cleveland, whether it was intentional or not. And and I think that that's something that, that does send some goodwill back to a lot of fans. Who, because there's a, you know, there's a whole lot of cross pollination between Ohio State fans uh, and, and Cleveland fans, and, and also the fact that he's he's a local, he went to Nordonia High School. I, I got married right down the street from Nordonia High School, so it's it's you know that that's an, it's, that's something that you know means something to me. You know, okay, they brought somebody home. That's cool. If if he succeeds, he's going to appreciate it that much more because he knows what it's like because he's one of us. And I, I you know I I, I I really hope it works out. I'm not that confident that it will, though. Look, me, me as a guy who his entire life, you know, playing ball, I, I, I was, I'm sympathetic to Denzel Ward. Look, some guys, it's impossible to carry the weight. Uh, you know, most of the time I lived with linemen. And these guys, you know, it'd be 10 o'clock at night and they're like, man, I'm starving and I'm not allowed to eat anymore. And me, it'd be like, well, you know, I'd come out of the, you know, I'd go to the door of the dorm or the house. And, what do you got there? Oh, large sausage pie from Domino's. Because I had to do everything I could to keep my weight on. So I understand what it's like for a guy like Denzel Ward. Look, it's going to mean more gym time. It's going to mean it's going to mean more vitamins. It's going to mean, look, you're not a three-meal-a-day three guy. You're a four-meal-a-day guy. You've got to work on, you know, playing sub-190 in the NFL is a dangerous, dangerous thing. So he's got to do all he can to get himself up. And especially going into camp where, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a ton and he can't walk out of camp at 180 pounds. He just can't because there's guys in this league, even who are equal in size to him, that can just ragdoll him when they've got a 25-pound to 35 to 30-pound advantage. So you know th th there are some worries there. I do think that there is enough cornerback depth in the room that they can kind of ease him in slowly, which you don't ever want to say about a guy that you took at four. But they are in a position they can do that. But it, you know. It, it, it's just, it's tough. It, it, guys, I was one of these guys like Denzel Ward, so I know how difficult this is. Uh, Jeff, we're going to move on here. Now, look, no team is going to walk out of a draft, or, you know, free agent cycle, and then the draft cycle and say, you know what, our roster, mwah, it's perfect. We're ready to go to war today. Where For you, highlight the weak link in this roster. I'm still worried about wide receiver, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, we, we, we spent a ton of time on this, and... We said, look, we need some insurance policies, and we were sort of getting down that line, and then instead of drafting an insurance policy in the fourth round, we drafted another guy that may require yet a third insurance policy. Yeah, um, Callaway, there, there is no denying his physical potential, but uh, when, when I talk to people that I know that, that are in the Florida football program, and, and I do have relatives that are in the program, um, they described him, and it was basically like his life is a walking Archer episode, and that scares the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> we need to get away from that. Um, I still don't trust Josh Gordon. I still don't trust Corey Coleman. If these guys all work out, fine. And and Hollywood Higgins is your number four wide receiver and number five wide receiver after after Landry and those guys, then you're in great shape. My God, that there, there's so much potential. But none of it is realized other than Josh Gordon four years ago, and I'm not going to put a lot of stock in that. I, 
I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about it. I'm hopeful that a better quarterback and a more cogent system of offense with that Todd Haley brings in. And Haley has shown in the past that he, he tends to cater his system to the talents of of the players that he has, and I'm hopeful that that will help. But I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little worried about left tackle. Uh, I I do like Austin Corbett quite a bit. He was he was a top 15 player overall for me. I'm not sure that he can play left tackle in the NFL. I'm not sure that Sean Coleman can play left tackle. I'm not sure that Joel Batonio can get over there and play left tackle. I'm confident that they won't be awful, um, any of those three, but I'm not... You're replacing Joe Thomas, and that's always going to be a worry for me. And, you know, there might be a little bit more depth there than than what most teams have, but there's still a drop-off, and I'm worried that uh, there's going to be too much put on, on trying to replace Joe Thomas there. Um, there's good players with potential there, but I'm, I, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a veteran brought in there, I guess. Um, nothing against Corbett, who I think is going to be a very good NFL player. But uh, I... I it, it was a tough time for Thomas to retire. I understood why he did it, and and God bless him. But uh, that that's a void that it's still you have to see it before you know that it's full. You know, and part of it though is, is you know I guess they kind of just went with like a you know a strength in numbers and hopefully somebody grabs it. But usually when you talk a strength in numbers approach, well you can't play three guys at left tackle. <laughs> Only right. one of these guys are going to play it at a time. So look, you know you hope and pray somebody steps up and runs with it. Um, as far as the wide receiver position, I, I do like uh, I did like the selection of Ratley and getting to have Damian come on one of these shows. I think we have a case here, you know, that sometimes you know everybody wonders how do we get a 20 year old in the NFL, or how do you get a 23 year old you know get drafted in the same type of draft. With talking with Damian Ratley, I think we have a guy who could possibly be a late bloomer type. Now it was odd talking with a kid who obviously you know grew up in Texas, played high school ball there. His program wasn't a huge program in Texas. These satellite camps and all these other things these players do to get themselves on the radar, Damian Ratley wasn't part of you know that type. He didn't get that push at a young age that so many young guys do. So you know Damian obviously with the one year of junior college where he played with D.D. Westbrook, blew it up for 20 touchdowns, got himself to A&M, which wasn't really the greatest situation at the time. Um, and then late in his senior year, they finally started calling him his numbers some more. He found a way to contribute. So I, I do think there's you know enough length to this wide receiver group, but it still comes down to the three guys who you know whatever. However, if you want to make it a big asterisk, if you want to make it a small asterisk, but you got three guys there where this wide receiver core could be top shelf. Or all of a sudden, it's kind of, oh, man, who's the third wide receiver? Who's the fourth wide receiver? A lot of it could change quickly, so it's certainly something that's going to be, you know, we're going to have to keep our eyes on as camp goes. Guys, Locked On Cavs, Chris Manning's doing a great job over there covering you guys through the playoffs. Uh, obviously, tough loss game one. Uh, you know, Coach LeBron James and his assistant coach, that guy who Allen Iverson stepped over like a decade, you know, two decades ago or whatever, they'll get to work, see if they can make a better, you know, better effort here. Put some length to this series, but check out Locked On Cav. Chris Manning got you covered over there, doing a fantastic job. We'll be back with that. Cavs, Cavs, Cavs are fine. They're fine, guys. I'm not worried. Mr. Risen was there at the parade. He knows. Don't worry That's about sweet. it. Don't worry about it. Now, Jeff, uh, the day three guys and some of the UDFAs. Uh, you know, give me you know, give me your feeling for uh, you know a favorite or two of you to the group. I, I know Mr. Avery was a guy you were high on, and you had brought him up in a couple of these shows. Yeah, and, and he's a guy, he's a pass-rushing linebacker, and I think there's a place for that. 
Uh, Greg Williams can can use a guy like that. He he's a little bit. I, I worry that he doesn't have an NFL position, but I, I like I like what I saw from him at Memphis. Uh, he, he's an odd size, and I think he takes Tank Carter's place. Um, and, and who knows if Tank will stick around? He could even take Nate Orchard's place as a guy who can play that play it over the tight end and also rush the passer. And and if he's if he shows well enough that he can move around, I think he's got a chance to, to stick around and, and make an impact. Um, I I'm a little curious with that they now have three punters on the team. Uh, and the guy, I, I tell you what, Justin Vogel is the best punter in Green Bay Packers history by the numbers. He just set that as a rookie, and they got rid of him. I'm trying to figure out what's going on there um, from the Packers' point of view, but the Browns, they, they could have a really good punting room. Uh, so I'm actually excited about that. Uh, it, 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 as silly as that might sound. Uh, I, I loved your interview with Ratley, by the way, and, and I'm much more encouraged by by him after hearing him because uh, if you watched him at A&M, he, he was pretty limited in what he would do, but at the same time their, their whole offense was sort of I don't know, oddly coached is probably a nice way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he came out the other side of that Surprising uh, sounding... they dropped the $75 million guarantee to another coach. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I liked him. Um, uh, I'm still interested in Trenton Thompson. There was a guy that I thought could go in the first round going into this season, and for whatever reason it did not work out for him. He's had a lot of injuries. He's had a lot of foot injuries, from what I gather, um, that, that are the root of all of his other problems. If you can get that guy healthy, this is a guy who who was probably a top 100 caliber talent for sure. And uh, the fact that he fell out to where he did, if you can get that guy in and, and, and see what he's got in his first year on the practice squad, I, I think there's a guy that's worth uh, worth getting excited about as an undrafted free agent. Because, again, I, I, I don't remember my preseason mock draft from a year ago, which I probably did right around a year ago, actually. Um, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure I had him in it. If he wasn't in it, he was in like the the next ten names to know. Um, so so there's a guy who has a lot of skill, and you got him as an undrafted free agent. We'll see if that works out. And obviously, guys, Desmond Harrison is another one. But um, it, look, Desmond Harrison, this could be he could be a Cleveland Brown for four years, or he could be a Cleveland Brown for four months. Uh, yeah. This is you know he comes with it, it, he's going to have to hit the ground running and play well and keep his nose clean. This is he not is. Somebody... He's, he's going to have to gain some weight too. He cannot play no. uh, at his size. He's got to be three ten, and and from what I gather, he was about two eighty five at his pro day. And so he's got a lot of growing to do. And trying to make some excuses about it. I mean, and you look at it this way: you can't have both your offensive tackles struggling to maintain two hundred and ninety pounds. We're talking about you know you normally looking at about six sixty, six hundred and seventy five, six hundred and seventy pounds between your two offensive tackles. Yeah. You can't combine them and you know come up sh- well short of six hundred. It's not going to work, especially in the AFC North. No, um, actually, the, the guy Deloro from Illinois, um, he's a pretty good athlete, and he, he's another Cleveland guy. Uh, he's from Green High School, which is down right by the Hall of Fame. Um, he's he's interesting. Uh, Pete Smith actually turned me on to him about a week before the draft, and I, I I'll admit I had not watched him. And uh, Pete planted the seed, and I watched him. And I'm like, you know what, that guy, that guy's worth a look. Um, and, and he's survived so far, so <laughs> we'll keep going and see what he's got in the preseason. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, get yourself to a point where we can get some pads on and, you know, see what's going on there. Uh, Jeff, as far as Browns wire and everything going on there, you know, what, what can everybody be looking out for here in the next month or two, obviously, before we hit training camp? You know, we are we are starting the, the process of doing, like, in-depth 
reviews on on the players that are drafted now. Um, we're not we're not doing Mayfield so much because I think there's too much content on him out there. But guys like Chubb, Corbett, Callaway, um, Chad Thomas, we're, we're we're doing video breakdowns um, of, of plays that signify why they are where they are and how they fit in with the Browns, and and those are pretty fun to do. Um, still still scouring, um, kind of seeing. You know who's out there that can still help um, the waiver wire things. We're, we're making fun of the Ravens quite a bit, which is always a good time, uh, just because <laughs> they they don't seem to really understand what they're doing anymore. And and Ozzy's gone, and, and you know just getting ready for the season. We're we're gonna try to to work on something. I know uh, a couple of the guys uh, with Browns Wire are local in Cleveland. We're gonna try to get together and do a training camp thing. Um, where we're there, I was there for three days last year. Uh, Mac Robinson joined me. Uh, we're going to try to get a couple more people in with that and, and, and do a lot more player interviews and, and that sort of thing um, as, as mini camp and training camp approaches. All right. Well, good to hear. Guys, obviously, Jeff Risden been on plenty of times. Go ahead follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Risden. Check out all the work. Real GM. You can hear him on radio in Michigan. Uh, Browns Wire, Texans Wire. Uh, Jeff's quite the busy guy. As far as the show, guy, follow the sh- uh, guys, follow the show account, Locked On Browns. I appreciate you guys are fantastic with the interaction. Uh, follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Like I told you, Jared Mueller, the rabbi, is going to be coming back this week. Wednesday, we are scheduled. This is a big one, so you guys are going to love this as long as it comes through. I don't want to give it out yet because sometimes it bounces, and you guys know how that works, so I don't want to get everybody too geeked up for something that doesn't work out. But, uh, you know, guys, I appreciate you all. Uh, we are back full swing here now. I've actually got some of my free time back. So she show's going to be up you know, off-season. I'm thinking maybe we'll go four to five a week. We'll see where we're at. Maybe some week will be a little bit less. Uh, still working on getting some players on here. We're starting to get some better feedback. The Ratley interview helped. But, uh, guys, I cannot thank you enough for all you do. And let's go Browns. Talk tomorrow night.